Ha-ha. I'd like to wish you all a happy new year. Make yourselves comfortable since I have the microphone for the next hour. <laughs> Only kidding, I've written it large and loud. 15 minutes, 15 minutes. After that, Bob is permitted to rugby tackle me to the floor. Um, so Steve's asked us to talk about a life first, and it's quite hard to choose, to be honest. I've been a Christian 35 years. Um, but I've chosen a verse, actually, if you put the first slide up, then I'll do my waffly bit to that. There, okay. Um, so I've chosen life first, actually part of a verse um, that sums up something that God's been working on in my life in recent years. I think I've got it. I think I've understood it and how important it is, but I know it's going to be a whole of life journey to actually work it out. Um, so the verse segment is just five words, and it's from 1 John 4, verse 18. Any keen beans? Perfect love drives out fear. Or perfect love casts out fear, if you're like Mr. Benson and you prefer the ESV. I actually like the contrast because there's a sense of casting out and a sense of ooh, driving out, pushing it out, and learning to say no to fear, but also how to retrain my thinking so I can live in the good of it day by day, minute by minute. So PowerPoint two, thank you very much. That's the full verse. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So the context of the verse, if you're new to Bible reading, there are three letters towards the end of John called one John, two John, and three John. Um, which are widely thought to have written by, been written by John, one of the 12 disciples, around AD 95, so about 60 years after Jesus' death. And it's generally accepted that John is also the author of the Gospel of John, as in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Interestingly, John, as he wrote about himself in the Gospel, already focused on the centrality of being loved by Jesus. So there are two Johns in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist and John himself, the author, but he didn't name himself in the gospel. He called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved in there. And I don't think he wrote it like um, one of my sons did by giving this to Bob this year. Dear Dad, thanks for putting up with a spoiled, ungrateful, messy, bratty child like my sibling. Love, your favorite. I don't think that's what John meant. I think... Nice one, Sam. I'm getting a glare, so I've obviously... But rather, I can't believe he loved me. That's what I want you to know about me, that he loved me. I was loved by him. And that was more important than his own name being recorded in there for posterity. Okay, so the first letter of John at the end of the New Testament, where my verse comes from, also focuses, as you can see from the verse, on the love of God. He was writing to encourage and support Christians rather than the Gospel of John, which was a record of Jesus' life and ministry for unbelievers and for those who had believed but had actually never met Jesus in person. So uh, 1 John, 2 John and 3 John would have been carried from church to church across the regions by itinerant preachers and evangelists. And John was writing to people who had known and would know intense persecution for their faith who would regularly face scary situations and divisive issues as the early church was formed. Um, so that was the context in which it was written. 
So let me introduce myself so you know a bit more about me and why this, might, this life verse might make sense. I like to think I'm serene and calm. Um, but the truth is, like many people, I've battled with fear many times. So I'm Andrea, married to Bob for 25 years, last July. Oh, yes. Originally um, a Suffolk girl, and then I lived in France for my childhood. I did French and Spanish at Exeter, where I met Mr. Benson. Uh, then came to Christchurch to do my teacher training and taught French and Spanish for a few years. We've got two boys, George, who's now 21, and Sam, who's 19. But over the last eight years, I've been teaching English as an additional language, not MFL. So I've been teaching um, asylum seekers, young children who arrive here with their parents for any reason, uh, the Gurkha community, um, partly because it's a job, but partly because God specifically said about the nations and reaching the nations. So that's where I'm from. We started coming to Beacon in September, roughly, but for the past 14 years, we were members of Gateway Church in Ashford. And we were really sad to leave, but felt it was absolutely the right thing to do and the right time. And God has led us here to Beacon. So simultaneously with that big move, Sam left for university. So George is now in Brighton and Sam is in Reading and we became empty nesters. Horrible phrase. So in addition to those two big changes, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with what the doctors called a lifelong serious condition, Ulcerative, coli ulcerative colitis, let's say it loud and clear, came out of the blue. And like any sudden illness, it was a huge shock and really difficult to manage. I'm sure many of us have been through situations where it's hard to understand why God would allow you to go through something so difficult. Maybe you felt a bit betrayed. Although I'd been a Christian for years, it deeply tested my faith and my confidence. It's a long story but it has a happy ending, and I can't go into all that today, but my gut is healed, and I'm not on any medication. Thank you, Jesus. Very long story. So that's what I've been dealing with the past couple of years, but actually the bigger story, and my story for today, is what God taught me about himself and his perfect love through trials, and about myself, my fears on that journey. God wanted to break those fears off, not by giving me a lovely, comfortable life, but through trial and difficulty in order to learn the truth of his promises and his word. I don't know why, but in the middle of preparing this, a picture came into my mind. A parachute is no nice, lovely and reassuring on your back when you're sitting in a plane. Happy in the plane, I've got my chute, I'm all right, good to go. Um, but when you actually jump out of the plane and it pulls open above you with a canopy, it's not just nice and reassuring, it's the difference between life and death. His promises have been nice and comfortable in my life, but now they've been proved trustworthy. I don't need to dwell on fear, but on his love for me. How much he loved me at the cross, loves me now, and always will love me. And everyone here, in order to deal with fear, you need to know how much he loved you at the cross, how much he loves you now, and how much he will always love you. God is able to bring good out of tough experiences because it brings us to him. Many times these last few years, I was exhausted, despairing, raging. I was quite angry. And it got me to the very end of myself and my own strength. But at every step of the way, there were signs of God's goodness and kindness. Every step of the way. Firstly, 
at the beginning of the illness, he gave me a picture in my mind when I was like, Lord, what's going on? I saw a picture of me, well, of a path, really, me on a path going through hospital corridors. But that path led through out into green pastures. And I felt comforted by that, that whatever happened, I would come through the other side. One way or another, this was not my life. Not forever, anyway. And that picture stayed with me and kept coming back to me when I was like, how long, Lord? Right, I kept meeting people around me. He kept bringing people across my path who'd also been through similar things and who could understand. And they were a great source of information and suggestions. He put people around me. He knew I was going to go through this. I was so grateful for the love of my um, family and friends and prayers. Bob praying for me regularly, my prayer triplet buddies, the prayer team at Gateway. I did feel alone at times, but I kept being reminded I wasn't alone. Um, I had a supportive and understanding employer. I was so grateful for some just work just being cancelled through absent students or for my condition behaving itself so I could get through the day. Literally, the hour-by-hour provision of God. And God spoke to me many times through his word, through friends, through preachers, through worship songs. When I questioned and cried and sought him, he provided graciously, lovingly, abundantly. He showed that he was with me through everything. James 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 7. Okay, this is more than a life verse, but anyway, I'm sneaking them in. Now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We are not always spared from tough things, but he is always with me. He is faithful, loving, and kind. And he provides, sometimes one tiny flake of manna at a time, but enough to take one more step each time. So let's have a look at uh, fear. On the next slide. Horrible word. What does fear look like? So if you, can you go again to the next one? Thank you. I don't know if that's quite big enough, and I haven't got time to read them all, but there are some very real situations that can make us afraid. Our job, not having a job, our health, children, our relationships, difficult situations, interviews, house moves. These are real and big, and might be too big for us sometimes. I know for me, I had a a job interview, fear that came out of one bad job interview, and it was horrific. I thought I can never go through an interview again, never get a job again, I can't face that again, it was humiliating. Um, but gently God led me through, and I think a couple of years later it was, I had another interview with the same employer, by the grace of God, didn't cry, didn't wet myself, didn't fall over, I got the job, and uh, I was like, I can do this, God has given me the strength to do it. I didn't actually do the job for very long, but getting the job, getting through the interview was God's power and uh, blessing to me. So there are world situations. If you're on the internet, you can have your brain filled with everything that's going wrong wrong in the world at any time, and that can fill you with fear. That can stay with you and burden you. We can't carry all of the problems of the world in our heads and our hearts. We're not designed to do that. God didn't want us to do that. 
but they're there bombarding us every day. So we need to learn to filter what we can and should worry about and what we could do something about and the rest commit it to someone much, much, much bigger than us. It's not for us to carry. Imaginary situations, sometimes we are mighty warriors for the Lord and sometimes we are mighty warriors about what could happen to us or others. Is that, is that twinge in my stomach? Is that, is that the thing coming back? Is that something serious? I'm not belittling twinges, but we can live in terror. And that terror itself can be harmful to our well-being. So then we end up worrying about our worrying and we're in a mess. We're not supposed to live in terror. Um, and then there's irrational fears or phobias. So interviews are scary, but there's, there's, you know, they shouldn't be a terror to me. And uh, God doesn't want us to be affected by that. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Right, PowerPoint, f- next pa- slide, whatever you're doing with the apple. Thank you very much. What is God's love like? That's kind of a lot of what I was going to say has sort of come up in themes already, what God's been speaking over us. But do you know how loved you are by God? Right now, this morning, in this chair, in your chair. Do you know how loved you are in your situation, in your life, by God? Or did you follow that thought with a yes, but, or I expect he's angry about? Okay, he always has love in his eyes when he looks at you. Always. His love for you does not depend on your feelings about his love for you. I am loved by God. You are loved by God. The Bible tells us that in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right, if we can go to the next slide. I've got two whole slides full of stuff and I'm not going to read them all. But there is a mountain of reassuring stuff in God's word about how much he knows us and loves us. Maybe one or two. First of all, he loved me enough to die to make me right with himself, to make me right with God. And he promises to give us everything else we need for life and godliness. That's his word. He's not a liar. He knows my, he's got my name here. Well, yours as well. That's quite a big hand. He's got our names written on the palm of his hand. He knows the number of hairs on my head. Exactly. He knows every sparrow that falls from every tree, and I matter more to him than a sparrow. That's in the Bible. Let's fill ourselves with truth from God's word rather than our feelings that lie to us and someone else that lies to us, an enemy that lies to us, doesn't want us to know how much we are loved. If you can go to the next slide, please, Paul. Thank you. Okay. So many things. So many good things. I'm not going to go on too long. He promises all of these things. He is faithful near the bottom. He cannot be unfaithful. That's who he is. He is faithful. Cannot change that. He keeps his promises. And my friend Bridget always says to me, and I'm not sure this is in the Bible, but it's proved in lots of other ways. He's not a meanie. God is not a meanie. Right. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Okay. God doesn't want us to live full of fear, afraid of disaster, limited by what we can achieve, unable to enjoy his blessings. We will face challenges and difficulties in this life. That's the nature of this life, and we did bring it on ourselves. Um, but he, through them, he wants us to be secure, to know that we are known and loved and accepted. He knows everything, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly about us, about me. 
but he still loves me. And that is a safe place from which to face anything and everything and to tackle the bad and the ugly. Because of Jesus, in Jesus, we will never be rejected or abandoned. Right. In its full understanding, therefore, fear is a lack of understanding of our standing with God. He never looks at us with anything but love in his eyes. So conclusion, one of the things I am slash I was afraid of was preaching, and I've turned it down before a couple of times when I've been asked. I said, no, 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 no. Then I decided I wanted to overcome fear, and I said to myself, if I was ever asked, I would say yes. So when Steve asked, I said yes. Right, I'd like to challenge everyone on three fronts, if that's possible. So if we can go to the last, I think that's the last slide, the next one. Yes. Oh, no, the previous one, sorry. The green one, thank you very much, Paul. Um, One, for reflection, perhaps we can talk about this in growth groups. What are you prevented from doing through fear? What is, where is fear hampering you in your life? Ask God to reveal that to you, maybe. One or two things. For study and growth, let's find out this year, 2018, how much God loves us through his word and therefore the people around us. Practical challenge, choose something, one thing that God brings to your heart or mind about fear to overcome and ask God to help you with it this year, this week, this afternoon. Um, that's my hope and that's my prayer uh, for all of us okay thank you very much thank you Andrea